the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher, and thank you for joining us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for blessing us this day, Lord. The sun is shining. It's such a beautiful day. We give you praise, glory, and honor for that. Be with our words today and our thoughts. Lord, we want to say your words. And Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are in Psalm 60. Wow, Psalm 60. Um, I want to just give you a little bit of background about Psalm 60. This is David. He's already king. Saul is not an issue. Um, He is wanting to attack um, the Syrians. The Syrians are on the northern border of um, of Israel. And I remember the first time we went to Israel, but the first time I went to Israel with Mark, um, standing and overlooking, standing at the northern, northeastern part of Israel and looking into Syria. And I thought, wow, we're that close. Why don't we just take the tour bus across? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it's more than that. You know, we didn't have our visas and it wasn't part of the tour or whatever, but it was kind of neat just to kind of look on that hill and overlook the um, Syria. Anyhow, this is David. He realizes that the army, in the Syrians are becoming a big and forceful army. He decides it might be a good idea to break their backbone and, and cut them back. I mean, um, just for protection of his people. So he takes his army and goes in and attacks Syria, the Syrians. Well, the Moabites down south, and this is on the s- southeastern part of Israel, they hear that David is busy attacking the Syrians, and they decide, hey, this is going to be a great time to attack the southern part of Israel. So the the Edomites take the, this huge army, and they go ahead all the way through Judah and up into um, up into uh, Jerusalem, and they're on full attack and and taking Israel by storm. Well, this, of course, you know, blindsides David. He um, is shocked by all of this, saddened by all of this, and he says to Joab, "Listen, his top man. He says we need to put an army together. You need to go down there and fight the." Um, the Edomites before they just kind of take over there. And so this psalm was written before his top guy, Joab, goes down to fight the Edomites. And by the way, they win. They, you know, he's completely successful. And after the Edomites have just ravished through um, Judah and, and Israel. So, of course, David is hugely saddened. And, and lamenting over what's happened. And so here he is. Um, this is um, Psalm 60. Um, to the chief musician upon, okay, you got to help me with this. Shushan Adath, Mishtam of David, to teach when he strove with Ar-Am-Naha, Rami, Raman, Ram-Im, and with Ar-Am-Zoba. Okay, I got through that. When Joab returned and smote and smote of Edom in the Valley of Salt, 12,000. Okay, here we go. Verse 1. Oh, God, thou hast cast us off. So he's saying to God, oh, my gosh, I, you know, you've left us here. Thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased. Thou 
oh, turn thyself to us again. So he's pleading with God. Thou has made the earth to tremble. Thou has broken it. Heal the branches, uh, the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Well, I, I just want to stop here. There's some commentaries that say that when he says, Thou has made the earth to tremble. <coughs> Sorry about that. Better take a drink of water. <coughs> oh my gosh, I did not expect this. Lord, this is not good. Sorry, I swallowed wrong. <clears throat> okay, well, I've got allergy problems, folks. So everything's draining. Sorry about that. <clears throat> okay, here I'm back. <clears throat> anyway, I was talking about David saying that the earth, you made the earth tremble. And there's some commentaries that say there was an actual earthquake that happened. Mm-hmm. And so that the earth was trembling. <clears throat> Others say that it was, you know, part of the poetry that David is writing here, um, that he was trembling, that his whole, you know, his whole nation is trembling. They've just been attacked. I'm not sure what the truth is, but it's one of those two. Um, Whatever it is, it would fit. Um, So let's start out. Let's get into verse three. Thou hast shown thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink wine of astonishment. You know, it's it's shocking here. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah. <clears throat> trying to not cough again. <clears throat> that thy beloved may be delivered, saved with thy right hand and hear me. And then verse six starts off um, as though God is talking. It says, God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. So this is God saying, I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and met out the valley of Sekoth. <clears throat> Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is also is the strength of my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my wash pot over Edom and I will cast out my shoe. Philist- <clears throat> Philistia triumphed thou because of me. So this is God saying, all of these places are mine. And he's also saying here, Moab is my wash pot. Mm. Well, you know, the wash pot, what is that? It sounds like, you know, someplace that gets washed. Well, he's calling Moab. In those days, they wore sandals. They had to wash their feet before entering the house or shortly after entering the house because their feet got dirty via the roads. The roads weren't paved. They were dirt roads, and their shoe, their feet were often really dirty. So they stuck their feet in this wash pot to clean their feet off. And then it says, I will cast out my shoe. Like, you know, when you've gone hiking and you come back from a hike and your your sneakers are filled with rocks and rubble and stuff like that, you just don't even know how you pick that up and you empty out your shoe and it's just it feels like everything's falling out of it um he's using kind of those two examples for for moab which is above edom and then edom is below so he's talking about these two nations here who will bring me unto the strong city who will lead me unto edom will thou O Lord, or, O God, which has cast us off, and Thou, O God, which did not go with our armies, give us help from trouble. Now, this is this is David again. Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. He's looking to God for his help from all this trouble that he has, because vain is the help that you get from man. <clears throat> I just want to talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, when we count on ourselves to get ourselves through a problem, mm. that's vanity. That's pride. That's saying, I can do it without your help, Lord. And he's saying, look, give us help from trouble. For vain is the help that I could put together with man. I mean, he's got this army to put together. I mean, that he could put together, but God can lead him. <clears throat> okay, we'll end with this um, verse 12. Through God we should do we, we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. 
So it's only God that can tread down our enemies. Don't think that <clears throat> we can get it all done ourselves. You know, sometimes we try and then we, we try ourselves first. And then we think, gosh, we've got into more trouble here. Let's try God. No, we need to learn to look to him first. And um, and possibly David could have uh, warded off this whole thing by saying, God, I'm going to I'm going to protect our border out here. Uh, what should I do? I'm going to go up to Syria, you know, attack the Syrians, cut their armies in half, maybe, maybe even cut them all down to size, manageable because he could feel the force of the army getting stronger and str stronger up in Syria. And maybe God would have said to him, while you're doing that, send part of your army to make sure you protect your southern border. Um, whatever. I'm just guessing that's not even said here in the Bible. I'm not adding, I don't want to add to it. But possibly he didn't check and got himself into more trouble here. But whatever it is, he's looking to God, and now he knows his help comes from the Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord, and thank you for giving us understanding of your word. <clears throat> I'd like to introduce, okay, I'd like to introduce my guest to you. Sorry about that. My allergies are so bad this morning. But thank you, Linus Hernandez for coming today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Listen, um, I, I want to explain to the viewers or listeners here that um, Linus, Linus and I go way back. I know that we met um, at least two years be before 19, I mean, 2005, because we moved here in 2005 and um, you were already living here with um, Pastor Adolf. And we met you in the men's home yes, over yes. in in Anaheim. Yes. So it was a couple of years before we moved here that we met you. And so now you're um, in 2005, you are Pastor Adolf's right-hand man. Yes. Let's just call you yeah. that. So welcome. So just for our viewers, as a reminder to them, if they mm -hmm. haven't seen you on the show before, mm -hmm. give us a little background about how you grew up and how many children in your family and how things were going and just your um, overall, where'd you come from here? Well, originally I'm out of um, Santa Ana in Orange County. Um, I grew up, you know, in, in a, like a, a neighborhood and I had like seven, I have a total of seven, seven, there's seven of us. There's two older brothers. I have an older sister and three younger sisters. So I'm, I actually, I'm the fourth oldest. Um, you know, it's like um, of a of a of a background I come from is you know I grew up, you know, lost my parents. I lost two of my parents. I lost my mom. She she was you know victim to cancer in in, in eighty four, and my dad in eighty four. Of, of how old were you when she passed away? I was thirteen, fourteen. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, and you were a middle child of seven. Yes. And so um, that must have been hard on you. Yes, yes, and 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 they're losing both parents three months apart. Three months, okay. three months apart, and so from there, I end up, you know, in the streets, running in the streets of of Santa Ana, joined a gang, you know, part of a gang, and got into um, just got into a lot of trouble with with jail, prison. I you know picked up an addiction, a drug addiction, and uh, and from there, no, you said you said you got into a lot of trouble yeah. and um. You're a, 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 already an addict to drugs. Yes, yes. Now, how old were you when when you start doing drugs? Well, I think I, I want to say about like sixteen years old. Sixteen oh, okay. years so, old. So we've jumped a few years. Yeah. Okay. Sixteen years old. Okay. Yes. And now you find yourself in jail. Jail. Yes. Okay. And then um, I just I've been in out of jail. Then from there, I I, I ended up in prison. I picked up a an armed robbery. Wow. Uh, at the age of twenty and. And I picked it up, and and then from there I ended up going to prison, prison, and then from there I just got out. I remember I have gotten out in '93, and from '93 I end up again back in prison, pick up in a strong arm robbery, and then and then from there it's like three terms I put, I have done a lot of violations. Um, it was it was it was hard, you know. I was it was it was the streets. Okay, so. Let me back up. You've yes. got a family back there. Mm -hmm. um, there's other children. Are they still in the home that you grew up in, or or do you guys split up? Well, my older brother took took in my 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 uh, my younger siblings. You know, took them in and tried the best. You know, I me mean? sure. And my other siblings, 
other my other family they they had their own families already and but with me i was just the one that was always you know on the streets in in and out just on the streets and um he tried his best my older brother mm-hmm. tried yeah, his best sure. he's tried his best but then um i would have gotten out i think he had moved back to santa Ana and and i came to live with them for um you know the beginning of, of 2000 okay. i was about 30 years old already because i was separated from my family at least for 17 years wow yeah i really didn't know my nieces or nephew i didn't, i mean i i heard i had them but they never they never seen me they 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 always said that we have an uncle yeah <laughs> but they had no pictures of me to show me wow so i remember one day i was it was in the morning it was early in the morning like i said i was in drugs i was you know on a, i remember a picture i was on a bike there were, my older brother has two daughters in in um t-ball and and I see my older brother. We're just talking, and I, and I looked around. I see my not knowing, but I know they were my two because they keep looking at me like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, yeah, yeah basically because I look like <laughs> I look like my brother, older brother. So they kind of you know. But then you know, yeah, you know, just all the random. He asked me, you know, you got where you're staying at in the streets. I just, I just gotten out in the streets, and he from there, I moved in. You know, moved in with them. He allowed me to come in, to, you know, trying to help me out. But from but you're 30 years old. Yes. Okay. So, um, are you looking for a job? What? What? No. What? What's on your mind here? Well, mine is well. I my, I try to look for help and on my own, like you were saying, trying to do things on my own. But I I just couldn't get off. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So, I, what happened? I come in and then I got arrested on a violation. So I got out again. <laughs> I got again doing a straight year and a violation, and I moved in. I thought, uh, you know, getting a job would help me out, but he really didn't. It, it, it even got me into more trouble. My addiction went, now I have a job, and now, now I only have a job. I was still hustling out there and getting more more, more into my addiction. It was harder for me. Um, and then I, I ended up getting violated, which is, is a parole violation, and and I'm back going in, and then I think on the on and by the by the beginning of um 2003, I think I think that's when the Lord started working. But it was it was through prayer of my of my brother and my sister in law. They prayed for me. I used to, I used to hear my brother in the morning pray for me early in the morning. You know, God touch my brother, God save him. And then I used to remember because they were they were involved in church. Victor Rich, they were going to Victor Rich in, in, in Santa Ana, and they were very very involved. You know, they're still involved. Um, but they were going in and. And I remember my 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 brothers tell my nieces, "Why don't you go pray for your uncle?" And then they used to, I, I used to see their little hands coming. Trump, I used to get up and ran. <laughs> but for some reason, it was just it was just like you know it's hard. And and I remember like they were have a whole church people praying for me. And then one day I just got out and got out tired. I just couldn't do it no more. And 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 I remember I stepped into the men's home in, in March 9th of two thousand three. That's when I met you. Yes, yes. I, I I stepped into the home and not knowing what God what a guy have. All, all I want to do is get off drugs, get off parole, you know, get a job, live a live a normal style a life I could never have. You know, I see my brother, I see my sister in law, family. I see other people. I said, I would want something like that. But you know, going in the home, it wasn't like easy. You know, I still had issues. I still have issues. You know, God's still dealing with it. We're 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 not we're we're still God's still working in us. It doesn't matter how long we've been serving the Lord. Right. And right. it's a continued process. And I remember I come into the home and not knowing expecting. I just looked around, so okay, I'm here, you know, they're talking about Jesus, um, Bible study, prayer, n- nothing. To me, all that was new to me. And 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 like I say, it took three by three months. Three months I finally raise up my hand and, and surrender my life to God. And from there, it was it was now to now from there it was keep going. And So let me get some of this background yes. going here. You get into the home. Yes. You're fully loaded, probably. Or yes. you're, you're, yes. you've, you're, you're semi high, yes. whatever it is. And you you know, you're going into a recovery home where you've got to stop the drugs. Yes. They probably go through your pockets and make sure that you empty out everything yes. that you have. So that you don't, they know that you don't have anything on you. Yes. And you're ready to kick this. Just, you're you're ready to kick the drugs. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing on your mind. I'm going to kick this yes. and stop this so that I can get a regular job and don't have to go in circles yes. about getting high and drugs and high and drugs. And it's, a, it's like being on a hamster wheel. Yes. So that's your first goal. Yes. This Jesus thing happens. You're, you're in there and... Now you're realizing that it's not just 
kicking drugs, you they're 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 talking about Jesus all the time. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the Bible, and I've been around you guys long enough to know because um, I think it was in two thousand and five or six. It was either two thousand or five and five or two thousand and six. We had the whole Anaheim men's home in our home, and I think there were. <clears throat> I want to say over 20 guys. Mm-hmm. And boy, you guys are regimented. I mean, you guys were going to a, some sort of a convention. Yes, a rehab convention. A rehab convention. And I had the women's home upstairs. There were eight girls. And downstairs, I had the men's home sleeping all over the floor. But you guys got up at like five in the morning. Um, some of you were in the sho- in and out of the shower. Um, you started... On your own, I would see each of the guys in the Bible reading, mm-hmm. praying on their knees all over the downstairs. So, and it was, you guys were there a week. So I do remember it was full on time of worship, yes. um, time of sanctuary, yes. time being with the Lord. And obviously the guys and girls had been doing this regimented thing for quite a few months. Mm-hmm. But you see this going on. I mean, I can picture it because you guys stayed at my house yes. here in Corona. So um, tell me a little bit about that. You see this strange thing that they're on their knees, some are in the corner, some are on their face. Yeah. What are I, you thinking? I was my house. I was, I was thinking, said, who did my brother brought me to? You know, I because I didn't know. I mean, I didn't understand all this. And I was seeing people like, like where I'm at, are these people, is there the cults in my mind? Because like I said, I, I know there was a guy, I didn't know God because I only knew because through my family and then praying, get up in the morning, get in and reading, singing. And, and I, I, my mind was just like, like, Oh, like, where did my brother brought me to? These people are crazy. Or, man, so you're not joining in. You're just joining, watching. Yeah, so watch, observing everything. Like, Yeah, taking it in, but not jumping in no, yourself. No, no. And and I remember I could share things because people would just, I see, I used to see an individual there in the home. He was always happy. He's like, man, what did this guy got that I want? But see, I wanted something, but I didn't, I, didn't, I was trying to find where, where do you get this from? Because I, I mean, I didn't understand about Jesus could make you happy, could give you peace, joy. I didn't understand about all that. My mind was just like, where is this guy, you know what I mean, getting that happy from? What is he? Because he, his family comes see him. Is he getting everything he wants? You know I mean, I'm thinking like a material things. You're thinking of the world. The world, yes, straight out. <clears throat> the world, yeah, the world. The world's happiness. Yes. But it's that inner happiness, happiness. that only Jesus yes. can give you yes. and that inner peace. Yes. So, okay, so you wait three months and you check it out and finally you surrender to the Well, Lord. what happened, I remember, uh, this is how it actually got, I came, I, my brother came and visited me and he tells me, and I tell him, you know what, this ain't working out. I was telling him, this ain't working out. He said, give it a try. He said, I've been here, I'm already a, a month, I mean, two months. And he said, no, give me, give one more. If it doesn't work out, okay, you could leave and we could, you know, you could maybe you could stay with us again, find a job and keep going to church from now. And I said, okay, that'd be great, you know. So after like the first week goes by. So you're you're thinking, I've got one more yeah. month of this, I can handle yeah. it. Yeah. And then I'm gone. Yes. Okay. And so. after the first week goes by, nothing. Second week, I was already counting the weeks down. And it was the third week of that month. I remember that third week on the month. And I was already telling everybody, I'm gone next week. I'm leaving next week. I'm on my way, guys. I'll leave my stuff. It's like in prison, leaving your stuff by to everybody, you know. And it was the, it was, we had, because in Anaheim, we had two morning service. And we had to go to the first service at nine o'clock, the second service at 11. And we're at church on Sunday morning there at seven o'clock in the morning. So we're, right. we are, we will stay there all the way to three o'clock. So, and I remember that, um, you guys were at Connolly then. Yes, yes. And and you guys had to set up the chairs sure. and everything. So you guys had to go early. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. And our, and and it was the second service. The second service. It was the second service. And and I was already like mocking God, like mm-hmm. laughing. I, you know what I mean? And for, I mean, I mean, something just touched my heart. Something now the second service took. And I felt something, but I didn't connect. Like, I was like, what's going What's this? And that and that day, and I remember the next day, I was sitting right there and by the men in the middle. We had a pool. We just called them a mirage. You know, it was there, but it wasn't really there. You know, I was sitting right there, and my home director, Pastor Vico, comes in and he looked at me. He looks at say, "God's dealing with you." He did that laugh. <laughs> God's dealing with you. We're like, oh man. And I and 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 for that day, I was in a valley of decisions now. So because I didn't know what was happening, and I remember that on that Monday, 
I was still, you know, I was going through certain things in my life. Change. I didn't even know. I didn't understand. I remember that that day on the, it was on a Wednesday. It was on a Wednesday. It was sanctuary time. It was it was getting up, and I remember that morning, the brother was singing Amazing Grace, you know, doing worship, mental. And that day, I just finally lifted up my arms and just you know, surrendered to God, so surrendered to the Lord, and and not knowing that my home director and his wife, Sister Alicia, was watching me because I never I never lifted up my hands. I never clapped. I never surrendered. I never did none of that. Out for three, like for three months, it was just nothing. Empty. No, empty. Dry, you know, mean nothing. And to that day, I lift up my hands and surrender my life to God. And and from there on, I just, you know, been, you know, serving the Lord, learning how to how to how to surrender, learning how to be obedient, learning how to come into authority. Something that I didn't you know didn't do in my life, and learn how to forgive and start forgiving and loving. And I remember after that, when the Lord touched me, I forgave everybody in the home. all the things I did wrong. To me, all my leaders in the home, I asked to forgive me, please. It was because God touched my life. And I felt a heaviness, all the things that I've done, I've been forgiven. And that's what I felt. And and since then, I just, I just been going and going. And when the Lord got a hold of my life, see, the Lord got a hold of my life. This is the thing that I always tell the men and people. I got a hold of God. Once I got a hold of God, God got a hold of me. He brought me to the home. But when I got a hold of, of Jesus, from then it was just forward. It was just Doing the doing the work for for Jesus and and, and that and that been like for eighteen years already. Over matter of fact, wow. yeah, this past uh, March 9th was my eighteenth spiritual birthday. Wow! I give eighteen. I get. I give. I give seventeen years of, of my life of, of to prison and drugs to the devil. Now I got eighteen years. I've been serving the Lord faithfully and consistently, and not and and and, and I, I, if I could say this is that I'm not saying every day was a happy day, but you know, but I do know who was right there and helped me get through my through my battles and my struggles. It was like David. Yes, as you're sharing, and, and I knew it was him. And I, and I said, "Oh, bumpy ride, but always listen." But long as I know that God was the Lord is driving, I was okay. Yeah, I was okay. So that it was then from there then. I remember that through the home, they sent me to the East Coast. I went to the East Coast for, you know, to help to start, help, you know, another church, Victor Bridgeport, Connecticut. We we're trying to help the build, build up a home with those five of us. And then when I got back, I graduated from the men's home after two years. It was prophesied by Pastor Vico. He said, it's going to take one year to get off my head. And next year, another year to get stand on my feet. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So I, it took me two years to graduate the home. And, and I remember that that day I came back from, from British West when Pastor Roy, my Arsene pastor, asked me if I want to go to Corona with Pastor Adolf. I, I mean, I would say, if that's the Lord's will. It will be done. I was just grateful for just for God's just for saving me and, and forgiving me and, and and give me that peace. Like I said, that individual had that joy, that happiness. Like, and I found, I found Christ when I, when I found him, I found peace, I found joy. I found his man. I just want to just share with the goodness of God and what God done in my life. And we came out here in 2005, you know, we started the, the, uh, uh, the Bible study. We started the church in the, in the house, humbly beginnings. Yeah. I remember that house on, um, Started with a B. The Brentwood Drive. Right, yeah, exactly. 1692 Brentwood Drive. Still remember it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that house too. Yeah. So um, you guys come out here, you start the church, and um, Pastor Adolph is building the church, mm-hmm. and it gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And there's a men's home um, within the within the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pastor um, Adolph and, and, and Sister um, Annette mm-hmm. had... The home in the home, and guys were bringing different men in and taking them off the streets, yes. and they were getting clean and accepting the Lord, and the church begins to grow. Yes, and then I remember you guys um, were up on the hill. Yes, and he he made you the director of yes. the the men's home, mm-hmm. and so you grew that. I, at one time, I don't. There were more men up there than I can remember. It was. At least twenty guys. Thirty-five. Okay, thirty-five. My gosh, I was way, way yeah. So you're heading a, a group home, and that was about the size of the Anaheim homes yes. too. So it doesn't surprise me that Pastor Adolf got you know he and, he and the Lord grew that men's home to the size that it was, and you were heading the home. I remember trying to get up the hill to get you guys whatever food or picking you guys up to help me do some work around the house. That hill was always hard to, yes. hard to get up with the car. 
um, it was never paved. It's still not paved. Yeah, no, no. It was especially the rain scene in the mud. The no, mud uh, and everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, you guys threw everything in every hole there. But anyhow, the, the church grew. And then overnight, it seemed, I mean, Pastor, Pastor Adolf got sick. He landed in the hospital. And I mean, we all thought, you know, that was no problem. He's yeah. going to get well and, you know, bounce back. And But he dies. Yeah. He's gone to be with Jesus. And so it's you. Yes. I mean, that was kind of a shock. To, to everybody's system, I'm sure, yeah. especially yours. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, you were either newly married or about to get married. Yes, my wife. I met her in the church. We met in the church. She was the gang girl leader. I was, I was the home director. I was in the process of being licensed, going to school again, my, my ministerial license. And we met. We met in the church. And, you know, we started courtshiping. You know, we call people call it dating. We were courtshiping. And I met her. Well, we started going, be, being as friends from 2009. And, and then from there, you know, Pastor Aid, our sister was, was guiding us and directing us in our lives, you know, working with us. And about in 2011, um, you know, that's when um, the end of 2000, that's when Pastor Aid got really sick. Like you said, we always, Pastor, our, my pastor was always, would come out. We always think he would pull through, but this time it didn't happen. And he got to be with the Lord. And, and I and that year in February was February 11th when he passed on and and I took over the church and I was already not re, I wasn't even engaged yet um so that year I took over the church and the home I got engaged in the same year got married in the same year and I brought my wife home to the home <laughs> and we spent in the home for she spent with me in the home running the home for seven years I know wow. Talk about a big number, 11. Yeah. It was a big year for you, but not too big for God because yes. he entrusted you with the with the group home, the, the, I mean, the men's home, yes. the, the church, and, um, you know, he's he's done a work. Yes. Now, I, I really kind of want to concentrate on 2000, and praise the Lord, you yes. guys have done an excellent yes. job. Um, <clears throat> I really want to concentrate on 2020 because for... Most pastors, it's been a real different year than anybody has ever expected. So um, if I recall, at the time, church was going on with you um, or, or Victory Outreach mm -hmm. um, Corona was being held at a school. Yes. Now, is it, was it a Catholic school? No, it was a, a, a public school. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It was a public school. And you guys were renting um, the the gym uh, the multi-purpose room. Yes. Okay, yeah. the multi-purpose room. It was a junior high, right? Yes, yes. And and so you were also re renting that the space, the courtyard, and that whole area. Yes. Um, you guys were having Sunday school there, full blown church, and then COVID hits. Yes. So you shut down. Yeah, I remember that day when when that was when the COVID was was getting more people were getting infected throughout you know the whole nation. Um, we're already hearing that, um, that, you know, that we're going to, they're going to start shutting the, the nation down, closing everything. And I remember I got a phone call for the vice principal and he was a, he's a Christian. He's a believer. I mean, he, he's, I mean, he called me up personally and told him that, that they're going to shut down the schools and close the schools. So that, that it was on a Friday, it was on a Friday and, and our service on a Friday, we have Friday night service and also Sunday, Sunday morning service. So we, what we did out of words, like myself, I was like, oh, man. Because, you know, no pastor has never been to this. Stuff. It was something that to, to every pastor. Right. We never faced something like this. Um, so it was new. So we had to, you know, myself, I had to, okay, this how are we going to have service? What are we going to do? So what I did, I, I, I opened up our men's home in Corona. We have a men's home in Corona, our men's home in Corona. I used our backyard, got a, got a, got a, uh, I'll say, a, like a tent and, and put chairs out there. It was raining and not knowing that the, our patio roof was, had a hole in it. And it was, and then we we're preaching and I was preaching. I could hear the rain. <laughs> but from there, we, 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 now they're shutting down everything. Okay. So, so you're, you're fixed to the first shutdown. Yes. In March. Yes. Is let's have church outdoors. We'll yes. space these people apart. Mm -hmm. We can be safe. Yes. We'll have, you've got a big backyard back yes. there. I've seen it. So um, you've got the patio area plus that big old yard. Yes. 
And so you have the church members come there. Yes. And and so you, you continue to have church for maybe a couple of weeks? Um, you know, after that first, they suddenly started saying no more, don't gather more than 10 people. Yeah. And it was getting worse. Now they're, now they're telling that don't have no church at house, period, nothing like that. So in that time, in that week, what we had to do, we had to think, and that's by going, going to social media, which it helped us because we didn't have that yet. Social media, we had Facebook, but we didn't have YouTube live streaming. So doors open for us, benefit. We benefit from it because we learned to grow in the social media, in social media. So we start having, what we do, we start having, we have a church office. We start having church. We'll, 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 we'll like in a room like this and area like this, we'll come out, come preach and they will record me. So people who are in our church will see us online. And that's where we're, where we were, where we're doing it for the, for maybe the, from from March all the way to, to June. So you kind of don't stop church. No, we don't. You just no. continue, continue on. You found a new way to yes. worship God and bring your parishioner, uh, parishioners together. Yes. And now you're doing it on Facebook and YouTube and live streaming this. Yes. Giving the people the number to call in on yes. and, and boom, you're out there. Yes. So you never really stop. No. You, you use the, the social media to get to your people to yes. say, hey, listen, we're going to continue to do this. Yes. So you do it Friday night and Sunday? Friday night and Sunday, Tuesday night, Tuesday Bible study, prayer, Friday night. So we kept everything going. Everything going. Going, yes. Wow. And so so you never stop. No. I'm amazed at this because yeah. some people have shut their doors and they yeah. never to open again. Yeah. But you guys found unique ways yes. to keep the body of Christ together yes. as a body. Yes. And and how do you keep connected with them on a one-on-one? Because I know I've been around ch- churches for a long time. I grew up in a church, mm-hmm. and even though I was not a Christian then, I know that there's always a line for someone to speak to the pastor mm-hmm. after church, no matter whether, whether it's Friday night mm-hmm. or Sunday morning. How do you stay connected with your people? Do they have your number? Can they call you? Yeah. Do you call them? What do you do? Well, what we do, we call. Keep in, well, so what, this is what, how we did it. We started because, because remember when they were shutting their lines on food, their people were running out of food, toilet right. paper. Yeah. So what we did with our leadership, we got together and every person that, and this is how we kept everybody together. What we did, we got in the group text. So if one of us will go to the to the store, and I wasn't me, and my wife was in group text with our leadership, even with some of our, our, or some of well, most of our congregation. And what we do, we keep each other on group text, like group text each other. So we, we if we if someone needs, if we're at the store, and if you need something, if for toilet paper or anything, we'll pick it up for you. So that's how we did. We keep ourselves through group texting to texting. Um, because I know. So you guys are starting to build a a group together. Yes. To ensure that you're you're serving the body of Christ. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's beautiful. So, uh, tell me what else you do there. Um, what we were doing at, uh, and that we you know we just calling each other, saw everybody doing. Then the Zoom, we were we have meetings in Zoom. Zoom. So tell me about calling each other and staying connected with yeah. the body of Christ. Yes. Um, because obviously you want to make sure that people are staying well. Yes. That they're they're you know self quarantining, mm-hmm. and if anybody's sick, maybe yes. even make some home. Um, you know. Yes. Going to the home and praying for them, or or putting something together so that you could pray for the body of Christ. So yeah. how do you do that? How, well, we did it like say through 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 Zoom. We have like you know the Zoom. We we will meet through Zoom and, and still calling them. Because I know that with the COVID, it was because nobody didn't want to go to people's houses. Now, mm-hmm. people who, who maybe were sick in our congregation, we had to you know, look out for for the band. But it was, through, like I said, it was through phone calls, Zoom. We had meetings in Zoom, make sure that everybody's here. Like my wife, she would meet with the women. Mm-hmm. She will meet with the women on Zoom from our house. Mm-hmm. Keeping uh, every Monday, she will do it every Monday. I would do it with the men, you know, keep the men all together. And that's how we really we, we stayed connected. And then I think when in the summertime we start opening having a tent. Okay. So now you change your strategy. Yes. You're you're deciding to actually have church again. Yes. And it starts in the summer, like May or June? June. Okay. And we start putting a tent out there. 
And, and how many people can you hold with this tent well, legally and staying within the guidelines? Well, the guidelines 40. We could hold 40. Otherwise, okay. the chairs are 40 because the tent we have, we could hold 100, but we have to be social distancing, 10 feet apart, mass. We have signs and we open up. We still, we still, we still do it to social media, those who can't come because we always want to make sure that if you're not feeling well, stay home. Stay home. And if you can't come, it's okay. We understand. Um, but then we have people coming, we'll come in and then we'll, no, like if you're for family, if you're living together in a household, you sit together, all together. So we, 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 we did the guidelines. We have uh, a sign, a, a banner out there with saying that, you know, the mass 10 feet apart, we do temperature check, check their temperature. If they come with fever to make sure that we do it. Um, we have um, also, we have another in our office, we have a room. Which they could, we put a TV out there so they could watch from outside because we have people maybe can't stay in the heat because in the summer it gets hot. Yeah, yeah. Under yeah. the tent, and and believe me, sometimes there's no breeze. You know, Corona sometimes it gets hot. I mean, the humidity. So we have a, a, a room so they could go in, but we only allow eight people in there. Mm-hmm. Eight people, and and that's all we were doing. We, but we, we we're still keeping social media. We're still keeping make sure the group text is yes. We we're practicing everything we possibly do in the meet, but. It turned out to be, I think, I'm not speaking, I'm going to speak for my church. People started getting complacent. Fear started getting in now. Now, how the how the pandemic, and it was kind of even harder now to get people to come again. Because, you know, you look at the spikes of, oh, they say they have a spike and the spike goes up and, and it comes down. And and this is the part that that, that, that I think that really we, as, past, as me, as a pastor, and you have to use wisdom, but we can't live in fear. Right, and I think that's what happened. I think because of so because of the news, the pandemic was was, and we we had took a, a, I mean a hit ourselves. Mm-hmm. Where you know I me mean, towards the end of the of the year, but but you know like I said, it was this fear. People start start not coming no more. They start getting complacent and started getting you know the comforting of watching church on on the Facebook. And what we well, I was, I'm trying to do now. I invite the people come out now. You know, let's let's let's, let's start meeting because a lot of people were falling away. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, it, the the social media it's it's good, it's great. The group texting it's great, but we need fellowship still. We still mm-hmm. need to be together, and we still need to come together. I think this actually took a hit in our church. People start falling away. Men, yeah. So men. there's a lot to pray about. There yes. Still. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what what kinds of things are you doing right now? Well, we're now, we're still doing social media. We still have the tent. We still, um, we're going to start hitting the streets this Friday, you know, get back on the streets, taking our church to the streets, to the people. We're very cautious our men's home. We want people to take their COVID test. We have a room to isolate them mm-hmm. for to get the results. Um, we just start, again, I'm, I'm going to start opening the Bible studies in May. We're still praying and we're still going to use wisdom. Two locations, you know, to, to break the, because um, I want to say that because I'm looking at the overall picture of people because, like I said, it, it's it's the it's the fellowship. It's it's yes, I thank God for the the social media, the Zoom, being like no thing like coming together as as, as one and and I and we and we've been like sharing our message about trusting in God. I, I'm going on a series on God trust. It's time. It's a time to trust. Yeah, yeah, and 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 because the fear that people are, so I'm trying to get them to understand that we need to come out of that, and I'm opening the doors even more, little by but little by little. But that's what we're heading towards, is getting the people back out there now, getting people come in the in house. Yes, we we practice social distancing. We yes, we practice wear the mask, take, but we have to come to the place now to get from okay the year 2020. We understand, but we got to get into the place of, of of not coming, not to live in fear no more. I think that's what's happening with a lot of our members. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, um, COVID has hit er, you know every area of life in yes. in America. Yes, doesn't matter how rich you are, yes. how poor you are, um, whether you're black, white, or gray, or you know whatever. Yes. Um, it's it is a definite thing yes. that is hit, and and many people I know, even even in Victory Outreach, yes. have lost um, members. Yes, and and some leadership too yes. have have passed away yes. through that, and so yeah, there's you, you have to do everything with caution. Yes, and um and and make sure that um, you're practicing everything yes. that's that you're supposed to be. 
But as you say, there's there's the trust that you have to have in God as to what your next step is. Yes. You know, we're we're here not because wow, we we were able to you know get around COVID. Yeah. But we're here because of the grace of God and, and, and who he is and what he's told us to do. Yes. And we have to still trust in him and, yes. and to see what he's asked you to do as a body of Christ. There. Yes. And, 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 and like I said, I have the members that lost their loved ones. And they're the ones that are the ones who have lost their loans are the ones that are still coming to the tent because I, I know that they lost some, I mean, they lost and, but they're coming because, you know, they believing, they're trusting in God, and I think the I think that that the COVID really was was devastating. Like I'll be honest, I caught COVID, I caught mm-hmm. it, I caught it, and I mean, I to the point. But thank be to God, His grace and mercy got me through it, mm-hmm. got me through the COVID, and but it taught me a lot of things too through it. Mm-hmm. But it taught me also not to, to, if God could get me through this through the through the sickness, and I was down maybe for almost a month. Mm-hmm. Was very heavy, but God got me through this, and 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 we know we serve a mighty big God. But we can't let. I, I'm always, I'm trying to tell on my church, my congregation, you can't live in fear no more. I think fear holds us what God wants to take us, and we learn something. We learn something through all this. We have learned, and I, I could share this. I learned is to trust in God even even more than this. Cause we serve a bigger God. We serve a great, mighty God, a healing God. Yeah, we don't want to throw caution to the wind and no. say, "Hey, listen, um, I don't want to wear a mask anymore. Yeah, I'm not no. going to be. Um, I'm going to be going wherever I want. Yeah. I'm going to touch any doorknob, and you know who cares? Yes. I mean, we want to make sure that we still practice all the things that need to be practiced yes. um, to get through this yes. time. And now that uh, you know, I don't think maybe. I, I don't know the numbers for sure, but I think I heard somewhere where about 30 percent of the population of the United States have already been, you know, have already taken the vaccine. Yes. Whether whether that number is low or high, um, it isn't half the bo- it, you know, it, it isn't half the population. Yes. And um, and I think they're trying to get it to over half half the population or more. So that it's actually safer, and then we yeah. could practice herd immunity. But whatever it is, um, we're we're trying to be good citizens, yes, and ensuring that um, we're practicing all the things that are in place to uh, not get the disease, yes. and and not just COVID. I'm talking about the flu, um, any other disease for for that matter, because nobody. I mean, if you're in public at all, and just right now I coughed and I had to explain that it's my my allergies. Um, And last week I was really sick, Um, but I I had some I I don't want to go through it. It was it wasn't COVID, but it was I I um, think that what we're doing is using more wisdom. Yes, we have faith, but we have to use wisdom. And the wisdom is it's like you're saying, still wear the mask, still practice social distancing, which we're, we're doing. We're doing that. But it's just that we have, like I'm trying to say, is that we have to, you know, trust trust the Lord in everything because the medicine, the vaccine. I have my associate pastor, Pastor Suffering. I have another brother who had taken the vaccine. I encourage people to take the vaccine. I ain't tell them because it's it's not going to prevent them to to not to get it. Like it's not going to get COVID, but it's going to help them not. They want to, you know, get really sick. It's like uh, it's like they'll get like a flu, but it's not going to get any worse. So I, I I do encourage because. I mean, I believe that God, you know, make make medicine, give men the wisdom to use to use. I mean, to make to help us. I think that's another thing that I I I, I myself like. You know, I haven't taken it. I'm supposed to be taking it because of my health. I've just been busy. It's <laughs> been busy, but I do have encourage individuals to take it because it's going to help them and benefit for them. And not only that, it's also for protect them and others for for you know for the COVID. And I understand even with the cough. I see when the COVID was last year, he coughed. When you see coughing in the supermarket, just look at you like, like man, like, oh, like a sneeze. People were, I was scared to sneeze because I don't want people to look at me at the supermarket. They're like, oh, I know, my. I know. And like, it's, it's, it's like, you can't. And then once you get sick, the first thing is that it's COVID. You have COVID in their mindset. And that's that's a sense of fear. Yeah. yeah there's no such thing to flu that says no more. If I get a cold, what's the first thing people think? And that's what we I'm trying to get to people on the mindset. What I mean is that we can't live in like that. Well, listen, I want to commend you for everything you've done. Yes. But I do want to speak to the person out there that um, has not made a commitment to Christ. 
if that's you and you heard Pastor Linus's testimony when he was sitting there and he just felt something in his heart about he didn't know what it was, but God was dealing with him. And he, he found his hands going up in the air, surrendering to God. And if that's you today and you'd like to surrender to God and it's resonated with you that you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, I'd like for you to say this little prayer and um, mean it with your heart. Dear Jesus, just follow me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins of the past, present, and future. I want to follow you, Jesus, just like Pastor Linus did by surrendering my life to you. Help me in my walk with you. Find me a place to worship. Get me a really good Bible. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've made this commitment right now and meant it with your heart, I'd like for you to give us a call here at Hope Radio. Or you can write me at Fisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or you can call me and leave a message at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. And let us know that you have made a commitment to Jesus and said, I will follow you as my Savior. He died for you on the cross. And that's what we're going to be celebrating this Easter. I would love it if you could find yourself a good church that's close by. And this Sunday would be your first Sunday as a person that says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And you can hear that resurrection story this Sunday at your one of the churches close to you. Um, if you want to go to a Victory Outreach, you can look that up in the phone book or not phone book. I'm dating myself. But, you know, in uh, Google it. Anyway, if that's you, we would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Rody Fisher, and you can, jo- you can join us here again. God bless you all. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.